The following is a hoop ball presentation. Another edition of Round Ball Ramble. I am your host, Corbin Ford. You can follow me on Twitter at CorbinNBA. Check out HoopBall on Twitter. This is a HoopBall presentation at HoopBall Tweets online, hoop-ball.com. Get up on there now. We got 50-something days until the NBA season begins again. Crazy but true. Get yourself on that HoopBall 360 package. Get your fantasy pass, your DFS pass, your wager pass for only $19.99 a month. The ultimate HoopBall experience for the fan who wants to win at everything. We're talking sleepers. We're talking hypers. We're talking who to sit, shut down risks, second half sensations, the whole nine. Draft guide for percentage killers. Ben Simmons. Sorry. Anyways, definitely make sure to check all of that out. Um, so just get the edge before fantasy season starts because it's coming. And, you know, I keep saying it. I am bomb when it comes to fantasy basketball for the team names i've had my um um monte's uh inferno you know because dante monte i've had uh baka flock of flame um i've had the be easy beasley's like when it comes to you know fantasy basketball names i'm pretty good when it comes to winning yeah no so definitely if you know if i use our own our own uh, resources i'd be ahead you can be ahead do the same thing on twitter at hoop ball tweets online hoop dash ball.com we are continuing with our off-season reviews, I am fortunate to have fellow friend from SBC, which feels like it's been maybe a month ago now, and it really hasn't been that long. It's been, well, you know, three weeks or something. Um, but I am just pleased to have my friend Dylan Kenyon on to talk about the Golden State Warriors. Dylan, just sports historian, basketball whiz all about his team. He's about to give us a whole bunch of knowledge, but I've already talked for almost a minute 20. Dylan, how you doing, man? I mean, thank you so much for having me on, Corbin. Um, it's an absolute pleasure. Um, like he mentioned, we uh, we connected during SBC, which was an absolutely amazing experience. It was, um, like you mentioned, it was kind of a whirlwind of a week, but um, met a bunch of amazing people like yourself. And then, um, I mean, I think you kind of hyped me up a little bit too much in the the intro right there. I mean, I think I'll um, I'll try to deliver my best. Nonsense. But, um, like you said, uh, a lifelong Warriors fan, so um, got to see a lot of that firsthand, which was definitely a pleasure. And um, but also got to see some of the the, the pre um, the pre the dynasty teams. So um, and some pre pre we believe teams. So uh, definitely saw some bad times as well. But um, I'm definitely uh, here and happy to talk about the future because I think it's uh, very bright. And I'm totally with that. Like it's, it's, it's a lot of fun. Definitely interesting um, for sure on that. So, I mean, let, let, let's, let's, I mean, the moment the anticipation is killing me, let's get this thing going. Um, let's start with the season that was for Golden State, man. Um, the Warriors, you know, this was their year back, right? We were looking at how they finished uh, the 2019-2020 season in horrific fashion. Steph Curry played all of four games. They finished 15-50 bottom of the league in both offensive and defensive rating or offensive rating and net rating. They're actually not the worst team in defensive rating. Well, they come back this year and it's like, okay, you know, we got Clay Thompson back. We're going to be back, baby. Of course they lose Clay Thompson. 
unfortunately, um, right before, right, right, day of the draft. Um, mm-hmm. So ACL yep. injury out. Um, so they try to soldier on. They make a, a move for Kelly Oubre um, to kind of be that replacement to kind of still try to contend. Uh, you know, Steph Curry puts on just a magical season, leads the league in scoring, you know, somewhere in the MVP conversation, although not like, you know, it, it, not at the very top there. Uh, the Warriors mm-hmm. scrap and fight, but they are just an average team. Uh, they finish eighth in the conference in the West at 39 and 33. They go into the playing game, uh, playing tournament. They lose to the Lakers on a late LeBron three. So then it's a do or die against the Memphis Grizzlies and die. They did going down 117 to 112. The Warriors were 20th in offensive rating, you know, despite Steph Curry being supernova, the rest of the team was, yeah, defensively, Mm -hmm. they were actually pretty good. They were fifth in defensive rating and overall 14th. So middle of the pack, which kind of, outlines their team i mean you had the old guard still steph curry draymond green uh you still had uh kavon looney you had james wiseman um you look back you also have um you know some of the newer guys you have andrew wiggins who's kind of becoming more of a a fixture there uh it was definitely an interesting team for sure damian lee was there as well it was an interesting team that kind of i think reached their ceiling uh considering Mm -hmm. what their roster was but that's my own personal take on the Golden State Warriors. Dylan, describe, you know, for me, your own kind of recap of the season that was. Yeah, no, honestly, I mean, I agree with most of that. Um, I think it was, like you said, it was kind of just a limited roster. Um, outside of Curry, I mean, they, they have Draymond Green, and Draymond Green is um, an absolutely amazing player that doesn't, sometimes doesn't give the respect he deserves on, especially like Twitter and stuff like that. But he is, um, he's special, and he showed that with Team USA. And he, um, but he's definitely kind of more of a, um, he's kind of a complimentary star. And he kind of needs someone or maybe even kind of two people to kind of um, feed off of, especially offensively. And so when he was with Curry out there, when they both were playing, they, the team looked good. The team looked solid. Um, but when they kind of, when they lost one of those guys, one or the other, they um, they just didn't have the depth to kind of make up for it that they had in years past. But um, one of the positives, like you mentioned from this last season, was um, some of the emergence from some of the bench players. I think Jordan, Jordan Poole was really positive. Um, I wasn't very excited after his rookie year, but that, like you said, it was that year was a complete. Um, I don't know how to describe it. They really just took the year off, and it worked <laughs> out well that um, yep. the bubble and all that stuff. But yeah, they completely took off that year, and understandable with all the injuries and Durant departure. But um, I think Jordan Poole had an amazing um, second year, and definitely kind of um, is gonna be um, a rotation place this year. Um, I think Juan Toscano-Anderson also kind of proved himself. Um, I agree. He's kind of one of those kind of good, gritty defenders. Um, can kind of go at a couple positions, going to do everything you ask for, and um, going to gonna stand out the corner and knock down a couple threes. Um, like you said, they kind of um, were a middle-of-the-pack team. Offensively, they struggled. I think one of the, the positives, though, is they still led the league in assists. And that okay. is definitely kind of um, has been the kind of core of their um, identity for the last couple of years. I mean, they kind of get talked about it to splash buzz and all this, but um, for all those, those great dynasty years, they, um, they moved the ball so much. They, they just, they, the ball just flung around and went from shooter to shooter. And while they, they weren't able to produce, and like you said, 20th in offense is not very good, especially for a team that has Curry on it, who was, the best offensive player in the year last year. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, 
Jokic was amazing, but uh, Curry was just just special. Um, but yeah, the fact that they still had so many assists, I think kind of shows that they really trust and bought into the system. And it was just so valuable for the players like Poole and Toscano Anderson that they got that experience in the system for these next kind of contributing years. And, um, and the little bit that Wiseman, I mean, kind of was in and out with injuries, but when he was able to play, he was able to play in that, that, that ball pace, uh, fast pace movement system. And I think that's only going to be more valuable going into the future. I agree. I agree. I mean, you thought out some really good positives considering um, just kind of how weird their year was. Um, did you think mm-hmm. that, I mean, obviously, you know, all the teams are going to say, we're going to put our best foot forward. We're here to compete, you know, make use of Steph Curry's prime. Do you think the Warriors thought with the roster that they assembled that they were a championship level team this past year? Mm, yes and no. Um, I think they may be in their competitive mind. They, they told themselves they were like, um, I'll be competitive. has got a shot. But um, more realistically, no, I think once, once Clay went down, um, that's just too big of a loss. I mean, I, I really respect that they, they still went out and got Kelly Uber and still kind of made a push for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe, I, maybe if Wiseman had turned out to be kind of the next Tim Duncan, maybe they would have been com- competing. <laughs> but um, that was not the case, as, as we all saw. Um, but I think um, – I think they they made enough moves to kind of be able to sell it to the fan base and um, and I, I think sell to themselves a little bit and um, it's just it's so tough when you lose a player like Clay Thompson he's um, he's so valuable on the court but then also he's um, a big chunk of your salary cap. Yeah, I agree. You're right. It, it, it's and that's the long term outlook for this team. We're gonna get to that because that is definitely gonna be interesting. But looking at the offseason, uh, the Warriors. Uh, Draft night was eventful for them for the first time since, well, last year. Mm-hmm. Um, what did you think about what Golden State did with picks number seven and number 14, ultimately walking away with Jonathan Kaminga and Moses Moody? Yeah, I mean, I'd like, like you kind of can pick up a little bit. I'm not the biggest Wiseman fan. I kind of have a, um, a bias against centers in today's league. But okay, um, fair. I, compared to last year's, the last year's draft, I loved, loved this year's draft. Um, Personally, I followed it a little bit, not as much as um, obviously the experts and stuff like that. Yeah. But um, I did not think that Kuminga would be falling to us. Um, but after the the Thunder kind of traded up and got giddy, it kind of started to kind of pan out. And um, the fact that they were able to get him and who just has so much upside. And I, I mean, watching the G League games in the bubble with Ignite, he the first couple of games, he looked like the best player on the court and looked like the potential number one pick. Um, obviously he kind of tapered off a little bit, but I mean, that could have just been an injury. It could have been something small like that. I mean, he was in a bubble at the age of 18, 19. That's very difficult to do. So I think, um, I think to kind of just take the positives from it in, in summer league, we, um, we were able to see a little bit of him and he, he just looked big. He looks like a big, he looks like a big athletic, um, he's going to be able to play the center a little bit. Um, probably a lot of forward initially, um, but he has, he has his ability to move on the wings. Um, so with him, they got a lot of upside. Um, I think he he has a lot of upside, but he has athleticism to also, you can kind of find a role for him kind of um, initially kind of as that, um, the pick man kind of dive into the basket, um, mm-hmm. kind of either either, dunk, either dunking on people using athleticism or kind of because he has proven that, um, shown some decision-making ability. So 
kind of getting in a short role, making a little dis- easier decision making on him. Yeah. And then getting Moody at um, 14 was an absolute um, steal. I, I think, I think he's, yeah, he's just, he's perfectly made for today's um, the wing. He's just, I mean, six, six, seven, seven foot wingspan. And he's, he's an amazing shooter shot 80% from three throws in, uh, in uh, college. And uh, I mean, he shot 36% from three which isn't amazing but he took five a game which i think that's the bigger takeaway in my opinion and um he's just like i said before he's he's made for today's wing um i think he'll probably get some some early minutes due to um clay thompson kind of coming back and uh that's kind of the unknown timetable on that but most projections are around um christmas time so i think early in the season is definitely gonna be an opening for moody on the wing to um kind of fill in those those shooting guard minutes yeah no i i loved moody i thought he could have went honestly as high as eight in fact i was hoping that orlando was going to go for him um with their eighth overall pick after you know drafting uh jalen suggs at five uh going and taking moody at eight and obviously they decided to go a different direction ultimately mm-hmm. selling for franz wagner but i feel like moody is that guy that comes in you know like a modern day wing with the type of skill set that you want there you know with mm-hmm. that three-point shot some decent defense good frame decent athleticism and i feel like he showcased a little more off the bounce game and i think that that was always potential i feel like he's had from you know i yeah. didn't scout like super major but like i did consume a lot of draft content and so mm-hmm. while heading into it, i was like wow this guy could be like a guy that kind of becomes you know another good solid wing maybe even like Otto porter at worst you know something like that and so mm-hmm. i'm really excited by the potential of what this guy can be um that is for sure um as far as kaminga i like it but i feel like the way that i feel like with kaminga it's weird because it, it kind of tells a little bit about where the warriors are they're still trying to do this like manage the old guard and cultivate the young talent at the same time. And I don't know how effective I think that is. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I feel like with, with, um, with the way that goal, I'm trying to think with the way that golden state right now is perfect is, is managing themselves. They're trying to take advantage of Steph Curry's prime. They're trying to take advantage mm-hmm. of Draymond green. You're going to have Clay Towns come back. All these guys, I think the youngest is Draymond green is going to be 31 in March. No, my fault. Yeah. He's 31 now. He's gonna be 32 okay, yeah. in March. So you look at these guys. I mean, they're they're not they're not that. You know, um, Damian Lee is what 28, and I'm not bringing Damian Lee as like a core piece. I'm just giving an example of another guy getting like heavy minutes. You know, you have Andrew Wiggins at 26, looking like the young guy, um, and then you have mm-hmm. the really young guys like James Wiseman. Though they don't really count. The reason why they don't really count is because they're too young almost. I mean, James Wiseman, has, James Wiseman has a lot of work to do. I like him personally of what he could be. I just don't know if he's going to be that in, in, in Golden State, nor, quite honestly, do I think that Golden State can afford to wait around and see what he can be when they're trying to take advantage of a Western Conference that right now, like, if you look at the East, yeah, you know, Brooklyn kind of has that on lock, it feels like, if not then Milwaukee. But on the West, this is about as wide open as the Warriors can hope to have, get, to hope to have gotten, um, considering the roster they're bringing to the table. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's definitely, um, it's definitely kind of a more because, like, like, like you kind of said, there's a lot more of a, a position for um, Moody. Like, like it feels a lot more like kind of like the Spurs team with uh, Kawhi Leonard, where it's just kind of like they needed a wing defender. They they got him. I mean, they got him a lot late. They got actually right around the same spot in the draft. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that Moody is going to be anything with Neil Leonard. Of course, but it was kind of just it's it just an easier fit. They kind of needed someone. They can kind of play him right away. Moody's the same thing. You kind of need him play him right away and kind of just slide him in there. 
and yeah, like you said, they kind of like Kaminga and Wiseman, I think are kind of a little bit tougher where they're, they're kind of almost more kind of have more upside than Moody, but mm-hmm. they're also harder and, and need more of the ball in their hands to kind of reach that potential. Um, I do think the thing about Wiseman, I, I think this year will be a big year for him. I think it's kind of, I don't want to say make a break because it's so, so early, but um, it's almost make a break with the Warriors team. Like you said, um, I think if he kind of finds a role as that, um, that kind of pick and roll, like rim running type guy um, and kind of accepts it, I think he can definitely find a role on the team. Um, Kerr has always kind of liked starting those bigger centers and kind of going to um, a more kind of trusted veteran as a backup and closing with them, which he has in Looney. So I think there's a chance that Wiseman kind of finds a role, but um, last year he, he, he just, he struggled with decision-making at times. So I think, um, and like you said, if they're, if they're making a push for the playoffs, they're not going to sacrifice, um, they're not going to sacrifice minutes. They, I mean, they can't sacrifice minutes to allow him to kind of figure it out on the fly. Um, luckily they, they have their G league team, which they, they, uh, they use a lot, the Santa Cruz warriors. Um, but that's also, it's, it's just completely different. Um, the G league it's it's nice. It's really good to use, but, um, you just can't really get the flow of the offense as well. So, I mean, I, I, I do feel the same kind of, um, uncertainty about that. Um, I think it'll be interesting. I think one of the things is, um, as much as they've said that they're kind of happy with the roster they have going into the future, into the season, I do agree with that and do um, believe them. But I think if, um, if say a player like Beal becomes available, then um, they, they become a little bit less happy with their roster and become a little bit more uh, available to move their players. That does make enough sense. And I was going to actually go into kind of what, where Golden State is and, and what they can kind of continue to do to, you know, better compete here in the West. But before I even get to that, I, um, I, I, I guess my next question for you kind of going into the offseason for Golden State is how do you feel uh, about this? And you kind of touched on it a little bit, but do you think that that was a smart idea um, to like kind of split the difference and go both ways in terms of, you know, competing um, and contending now while also trying to develop the young talent? Would you have preferred them just either a, I don't know how they would have done this while keeping Steph Curry around, but like, Hey, we're going to attempt to just, you know, start over, you know, retool, I guess they're retooling now, but like rebuild around maybe Steph, but knowing that Steph's going to be like the elder statesman to the next young group of warriors, or would you rather they say, Hey, let's go take these picks. We're going to shop for every star or quasi star out there and, and make these two, these three picks count. And by the three picks, I mean, number one last year and the number of course, uh, seven and 14 this year. Mm, Yeah. I mean, to be honest, um, it's, I, um, with the previous before um, Bob Myers and uh, Lakeup and uh, Gruber took over, I definitely um, was a lot more like questioning them. And and this this administration, um, led by obviously Myers, um, I trust more. But honestly, yeah, I if I was in that position, I would have um, I probably would have been trying to trade for some more um, win now players. I think um, I think Steph Curry is a player that you get um, very very rarely. He's a generational talent. And um, that's the type of player that you need to win a championship. And um, I think they could have used those picks to kind of get um, just some rotation players. Um, they have they have the the pieces between Curry and Dray. I mean, Draymond Green's a, a generational defender. Curry's a generational offensive player. So I mean, they they have and Clay is obviously when he's healthy, he's amazing. Um, 
but even I mean even without that they um I think that they got a I mean it's it's so tough to um kind of just guess and kind of um um hyperbolize of what they could have done type yeah thing. like projecting but, um, out uh-huh. yeah it, it's so difficult but I mean you gotta assume the second overall pick gets you um a starter I mean assuming and the seventh of seventh and fourteenth picks probably get you seven probably gets your starters, fourteen probably gets your rotation player. And that's obviously like we said, kind of projecting a lot and stuff like that. But I mean, I it's it's um it's it's a huge gamble. Um I mean I really like the players they took. Um, Me too. I think the the one nice thing about them is in my opinion, they were the players with the highest value at when they were kind of um in the Warriors positions of the draft. So if mm-hmm. they do, um, if a player becomes available, I think um, these players will be the easiest to move. Yeah. They're in play. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it's definitely um, their time trying to seem like they're trying to kind of walk a, a tightrope, which um, I don't think we've ever really seen in NBA history. Um, I, yeah, I really can't think of a, a similar comparison. Um, sometimes people compare the Spurs team, but um like we mentioned, that was kind of different. Um, it was kind of more just one player with Leonard, and um, it kind of was just a perfect fit, and it didn't really work out long term. So they kind of weren't able mm-hmm. to, to to bridge that gap. But I mean, as as I can't really think of a a young core that was on a contending team and then kind of stayed. It's just it's it's a very um, it's a it'd be a it'd be an ideal situation if it works out. Um, I think one of the things to keep in mind is um, the Warriors recently moved into the Chase Center, which is in downtown San Francisco. Well, not downtown, but um, it's near um, kind of where the Giants play as well. So that area is just kind of uh, booming right now. And uh, with the the money from the Chase Center, the Warriors are projected to be um, bringing in around seven hundred million dollars a year which will put them above the Lakers and the Knicks and put them wow. in the range of most of the um, most NFL teams kind of right below the Cowboys and some of those other top teams. So they do have um, just ab- abnormal amounts of money to spend. Mm-hmm. So that is a plus um, and kind of see can kind of um, kind of fix some of the uh, holes um, that kind of would, um, I mean, because obviously they're, uh, if they continue, they already have um, about 160 million committed for the next three years yeah so um they uh if, if they plan on extending it as players they're gonna um they're gonna be very very high salary cap and uh they're gonna have to pay a lot of taxes but um i think the part of the um the kind of ace in the hole is is a chase center which um it just kind of prints out money honestly it does just being in golden state i think will we'll probably like being in california especially with the team they have in the core they built will put you in position there right mm-hmm. and that's the other thing i think um they also are um kind of one of the the, the top kind of free agent destinations now i believe mm-hmm. in my opinion um because of that um the kind of combination of just being in an amazing city in san francisco but then also kind of the silicon valley money helps a lot mm-hmm. and um so I think that'll kind of always be a, a draw. Um, yeah, the investor type yeah. deals. Yeah, it's definitely <laughs> um, it, it's it's definitely it, it's a it's a big gamble um, because I mean I think um, they definitely decrease their championship odds by by doing this. But um, if it works out, then I'll be a very very happy fan. You <laughs> on that for sure. Uh, I I guess we have to go um, and kind of transition from that to 
the Warriors offseason in general. I'm going to actually invert this. What were mm-hmm. your hopes for Golden State going into this offseason? And then we'll kind of go into what moves they actually end up doing and, and your um, reflections on that. Okay. Um, honestly, I... I... I I I had I had, um, I had big dreams for the offseason. I was um I was honestly I'd been hoping for Beal for a little bit. Um usually kind of I think every every NBA fan that's not in Washington um keeps a close eye on that situation and kind of kind of watches in astonishment as he 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 stays committed to DC and that's um very admirable of him. And um they've they've tried to make some moves around this year again to kind of um push a little bit, but um I definitely had my eyes on him. I thought um, also Siakam would be a nice target. Um, yep. Kind of, that. you never know what the Raptors are going to do right now. They're kind of in a kind of weird position. They uh, have some young players, but also have. Um, I mean, they played uh, Fred VanVleet recently, and so they kind of are kind of in a win now mode, but also kind of have the the Scotty Barnes to develop. So um, you kind of didn't know what they were going to do. Um, but honestly, I've I've been hoping for Lillard for a little bit. And I, I know that that's dreaming big, but um, pipe dreams, man. But hey, to, yeah, <laughs> got right? Yeah, ex- I mean, listen, that'd be a that'd be a hypothetical dream. Like you'd have to kind of tell me the framework of that, but that'd be kind of just outlandish. But like just outlandish, that'd be fun, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so the, honestly, I don't have um, I don't have the ESPN trade, trade machine in front of me right now. Mm-hmm. But um, I so the, so the majority of the trades, it, it's gonna be Wiggins. Um, Unless, unless they're sending out um, Green or Thompson, which obviously they would not want to do and would be very hesitant. I mean, Lillard kind of would probably put, put maybe both of those tails players on the table, but um, they would, that would be a last resort for the Warriors. Mm-hmm. Um, so Wiggins, just because of his contract, it, he'd have to be a kind of the centerpiece. And um, they'd kind of just have to kind of um, load it up around him, kind of um, sweeten it up with all the long, young players they have um just all the young players and all the draft picks they have so it would um it would definitely i think the thing is i think it's kind of tough because um there might be a better offer to out there um but the, the question is is what teams do Lizzo want to go to if he if he limits it down to three or four teams um the warriors could have the best offer and it, it could be it could happen yeah, I mean, it'd be interesting if so, too. Uh, I, I mean, I don't know how the defense would be with that other side of the backcourt, but, like, imagine trying to guard those guys, Steph Curry and Dane. I mean, and also, yeah. like, having a, you'd have to have a compelling enough package. I mean, I don't quite know if that's enough. I think it's somewhere on the table. That's that's still, um, what, just bringing that up to, to, to get him back. You know what I mean? But, mm-hmm. wow, that would be – that would definitely be um, – that would definitely be interesting. I, that's it's kind of shocking how crazy that would be. Um, but yeah, so you wanted like definitely going after a big star, definitely kind of maximizing um, how good this team could be right now. And I get that. I mean, I, you know, it's, it's dreaming big, but at the same time, you're the Warriors. I mean, they had Kevin Durant on this team. You know, as good yeah. as as good as Damian Lillard is, he isn't Kevin Durant. They found a way to make that work. It's not you know out of the realm of belief. But no, yeah, our compasses are a little skewed now. So just, just, just a touch, right? But like <laughs> looking at what they ended up doing, you know, they we obviously talked about the draft. Mm-hmm. You know, getting Kamanga, getting Moody, we all like that. Then they also signed uh, in free agency uh, Nemanja Bielitsa, uh, which is definitely um, an interesting one. There, I love a fl- a, fl- a floor spacing big man. Uh, he had a, you know, I don't think he was used as much as he should have been used in uh, Miami. 
You yeah, sign Otto Porter, bring another forward kind of tandem, basically being what, um, let's just be real, Kelly Oubre wasn't for the Warriors last season. Mm-hmm. Then they yeah. went and brought back Andre Godala for what he said will be his final year. So, I mean, you have some depth depth there, someone to mentor these young guys like Kaminga, like Moody. And then they locked in Steph Curry long-term. They extended him uh, uh, for a four-year extension worth $215 million. He becomes the first player in NBA history to sign multiple $200 million deals. And honestly, I mean, for someone who's one of the top 15, 20 players in NBA history, he's being underpaid. But looking yeah. at all of those mm-hmm. moves, I mean, you could start with your most, most favorite liked, your least favorite liked. What do you think about what the Warriors ended up accomplishing and, and, and kind of, you know, relative to your plans? Um, yeah, I mean, honestly, the, my favorite is, is the Kuda extension. Um, I mean, when you get a player like that, like you said, he's even at the around $50 million a year, he's still underpaid. He's his, his effect on, on an offense. Um, I mean, on a defense, just how much he, uh, how much gravity he has, it just pulls the defense. Um, I mean, his player can never leave him, but when he's coming off the screen, um, the screen is defender has to help. Um, I mean, it, it just, it, it, um, it really puts so much stress on a defense that it, um, he's just so, so valuable that getting him and locking him up for the future is, is just so valuable. And it's, and I mean, he's, like you said, he's, he's so underpaid. So if, I mean, if worst case scenario, everything blows up then they could, everyone would want to trade for him. So it's the easiest and most um, it's the best decision they made. And um, I think it's definitely um, it's, yeah, it's the best one they made. Uh, it's also <laughs> the easiest one, but yeah, like it's, it was perfect. Um, I really like the Otto Porter signing. I think he was a player that kind of um, some of the players kind of get judged by their contracts, and um, he kind of got uh, kind of got his uh, his his value is kind of skewed in the public eye because he's getting paid so much. Which I mean, more power to him. But get um, your money. He, yeah, 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 I I I love when players players get paid. I of course think <laughs> they should come out as quickly as possible, get paid as much as possible, and get your money, like you said. Um, but then, yeah, their fans when they see that that big number next to them, they uh, they put some un uh, un unfair expectations sometimes. And I think um, with with the Wizards, he he contributed. He he did well. He he um, it's just kind of when he can stay on the floor is the big question with him. But um, with the Warriors, it's such a smaller role. Um, I think kind of earlier in the season, he'll kind of be asked to fill kind of some of the roles that um, the holes that Clay Thompson will kind of leave. But um, as Clay Thompson comes around um, and during the playoffs, I think he'll be just a valuable piece off the bench that can kind of just do a couple different things, um, go at a couple positions, hit a couple shots, make that pass, um, and just just kind of improve his value. Um, not sure how long they will have him. I'm pretty sure they only got him on a one-year deal. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, honestly, I would be surprised if they, they – um, they get him I mean they bring him back because they won't have the bird rights and um my guess is his value will skyrocket this year. Um also yeah. obviously love the Eagle Dollar move. Um he's just one of those amazing locker room pieces to have. He uh is really kind of it's kind of I mean similar to that um the Joe Dudley role where it's it's like is is he an assistant coach or is he a player? But I mean it's at a unique value where it's like it's almost like having a coach that's part of the team where he is um, he can get in there and he's, he can get um, help the, the, I think, especially since he's a wing, he's going to help uh, Kuminga and Moody develop so much. 
And then I really, like you said, I, I really like Bielicha. I think he wasn't really used as much as the Heat. I think the Heat, um, I mean, I remember watching a game a couple of years ago and the Heat uh, went to went the 2-3 zone against the Kings and Bielicha was actually the one that completely destroyed it. And I think that kind of skewed their 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 uh, view of him and they kind of just wanted to get him <laughs> out of other teams to yeah. sort of use the 2-3 zone more. And um and uh, that's probably me just saying that as a huge fan of his. But um, I think <laughs> I think he could definitely val- provide some value. I think um, they're definitely a little bit um, – I wouldn't say thin at center. It's just they have some question marks because it's Wiseman's kind of going to get that starting role, so we kind of question about what he does. But I think um, – I wouldn't be surprised if Kaminga kind of gets some backup minutes at the center. Um, but that would be kind of center hybrid with them. I mean, kind of center power forward type thing. But um, – I would definitely see Bielicha next to him. You would, uh, he'd place the floor out, but then you also kind of, kind of do that dirty work and kind of, um, kind of muck it up and do all that kind of, um, that dirty work that you just don't expect a rookie to do yet. And honestly, um, I like you said, I do expect some addition by subtraction with um, the loss of Kelly Oubre. I mean, I loved watching him. Kind of, it's, um, it's one of those <laughs> things when you're not a fan of the team, it's really fun to watch. But exactly. When you're a fan of the team, it's, it's tough. It's really hard. That's- as a Lakers fan, um, I'm about to experience that with Russell Westbrook. Yeah, I, got, <laughs> I, I think that, that that's like El Cali Uber times like a thousand. There you go. You get it exactly. It's just it, it's it, especially since didn't he start off? I mean, him and Wiggins did, but Wiggins shored up a lot better than Uber did. I feel like Uber had such a lost season in Golden State. He started off so ice cold from just oh yeah from three from the field. It was horrible. Mm-hmm. And then he never found his footing. And then just when I think he was starting to get better, he got injured, was out for large segments the rest of the year. And then the offseason was kind of that meandering, not feeling like he wanted to come back. The Warriors not feeling like they should bring him back. You know, the, mm-hmm. I, I think he kind of came in with heavy expectations already with the money and the tax bill that, you know, the Warriors acquired just skyrocketing when they acquired him. But like, I also feel like that's more in Golden State and less on Ubre because you should kind of know the player Ubre is already. Like, yeah. If mm-hmm. you're making that much of an investment in him, expecting him to turn to Clay Thompson, then you've already messed up there. Yeah, and it's it's not like it's um I mean yeah like you said everyone knows everyone knows who Kelly Oubre is he's um he's eccentric and he's definitely um he's very confident in his own abilities which is a great thing um I think he he ultimately really just didn't fit into the system um like you said he he did, he struggled so hard I think it was like I want to say he started like two for fifty or two for forty. From yeah, something whack was, like that. Yeah, yeah, it was one of the like worst starts, and it was so bad. And and I mean that confidence his confidence of his, he kept on shooting, which is I mean kind of a good thing, kind of a bad thing. But even even during the end of the year when he was shooting well, he um he just really didn't fit in the system. He's 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 a um he's kind of a score first player that um likes to hold the ball, kind of gives defenses a little time to adjust. Um, He's not going to make that 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 next pass to 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 kind of get the better shot type thing, um, which is really what the Warriors strive upon. Um, so kind of I think replacing him with Otto Porter is just such an addition. It's just it's so valuable. Yeah, Otto Porter won't cause a lot of fuss behind the scenes. I think he knows his role. Solid shooter, good defender. Um, you're not taking much of the table compared to Uber on the defensive end. You're getting more on the offensive end. The only thing I worry about Otto Porter is what are you getting from him if you get him because he has battle injuries for a large portion mm-hmm. of the last couple of years. Are you concerned about that by any stretch? Um, definitely. I think, um, I think that they'll have to be smart with him. I think they'll have to um, kind of really prioritize the, mm-hmm. um, the playoffs and kind of make sure that he is um, 
kind of peaking post all-star break. Um, but I think with the young roster, I think it would just be more beneficial. They can kind of get those younger players minutes early. Um, as long as you kind of uh, are clear with them and vocalize it to him that you're kind of just kind of um, saving him for later in the season. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, this is definitely, there's, there's a lot of question marks. It's, it's nice having Iguodala, but um, Iguodala, obviously he's, he's like you said, this is last season. He's, he's up there in age. So um, having him as an insurance is nice, but it's also not the, um, not the most like fortified insurance. <laughs> No, I get you. I, I I get you on that. It's like you have somebody, but at 37, going on 38, it feels like I, I have to check, fact check myself right now because I'm probably upping him in age, um, <laughs> upping him a year. No, I, I'm actually right. So, yeah, he actually, look at me. I know my stuff. He's 37, he'll be 38, <laughs> so he'll be 38 um, in January. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And- like, I mean, you have depth, but he's, he's it's like, okay, he's less Trevor Ariza old and more Udonis Haslam old mm-hmm. in yeah, terms of ability to play. I, like you said, I think he's kind of in that, that gray area between them where he's um, – I see him kind of uh, getting some playoff minutes more than anything, um, kind of coming in, spotting uh, – kind of spotting, kind of uh, taking some of – I mean, it depends if Wiggins is still there during the playoff, but I think Wiggins is going to kind of draw the, um, the primary uh, wing defensive role. So I think Iguodala can kind of come in there, give him a spot, kind of 15 minutes. Um, he's still an amazing defender, um, just such an high IQ player. And he's he's perfect for their system of just the ball movement. Um, he's also – he's not the greatest shooter, but he's willing to take the shots, which is, is, is a plus. But, um, yeah, it's definitely um, – they definitely have some questions on the wing. But um, I think they, uh, they have enough – pieces that I hope it kind of it kind of ends up settling itself out I muted myself there I was saying so basically it's all gonna work <laughs> itself out <laughs> I'm talking like yeah I agree I agree why why aren't you responding <laughs> I thought I thought that was like was a silence of question to me I was nervous over here I was like, oh no, no. <laughs> is that right Dylan no no I get that um I, okay so <laughs> looking at at this team, like you said, do you think you have enough depth that it's going to cobble together um, and that, you know, Iguodala will be rested for the most part. They'll be able to still give you some, you know, decent, adequate play um, when he does have to come in. You look at everything the Warriors have done, you know, it was really more of an around the margins kind of rebuild or not rebuild, restructuring rather, you know, Um, Mm -hmm. they're really heavily weighing in on, or they're really heavily leaning on clay. And so I want you to kind of weigh in on what you think the philosophy is for clay, because I understand that he probably won't be back immediately when the season starts, but he will become back like around Christmas before Christmas, whatever the case may be. Haven't seen a whole lot of footage from working back, but I've seen some. Um, What are your thoughts on just the arrival of clay Thompson how they're going to bring him back in. Do you think they bring him back slowly? If so, do you think they put enough depth around him to be able to afford that luxury? Um, and then what you expect when he comes back 31 and two years away from the game? Yeah, no, it's definitely tough. I mean, I can't really um, think of another player that kind of had two years off and um, kind of came back and was near the player they were before, but uh, Clay Thompson is such a unique player. Um He's he kind of has um I I, I mean I mean it's such a compliment but it, it kind of is gonna not gonna sound as what he's kind of has a robotic feel to his game yeah um where he just like he he it's no wasted movements and it's mm-hmm. kind of it's um especially his shot and that's that's one one plus is um worst case scenario if he can't move very well you can kind of um 
put him kind of guarding bigger wings, kind of some fours, and you can just space the floor at the the three point line. He's still going to be one of the best three point shooters with the one of the quickest releases in the league. So that's definitely a plus. Um, the question of, of like if he'll kind of get back to um, pre injury level. Um, I mean, there's definitely serious serious questions about that. But I think honestly, I would I would I think there's definitely a chance because. Um, given just his, he's has an amazing work ethic, um, but also just advances in modern medicine. I think um, it just, it can kind of combine with those two. I think he'll, he'll, he'll really uh, capitalize upon those. And I think he can kind of get back to that, that level where he's kind of coming off screens, um, coming off some checkdowns, uh, kind of curling off screens. Um, and kind of that old play he was before. I mean, I don't expect a 37-point quarter out of him. Yeah, it'd be but, nice, um, but not likely. Yeah. Um, but honestly, I, I, I see him getting back to the level where he's getting 30, 40-point games for sure. Um, he's such a his, – his, 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 um, his shot is so unique. It's, um, it's a high and quick release. It's just so hard to guard that he really doesn't have to do much to get it off and to get space. Um, Obviously, for the for them to, to get to that contending level, especially this year, um, he's gonna have to move around. He's gonna have to be that um, that floor spacer that also is constantly relocating, constantly cutting off screens, constantly cutting to the basket. Um, and yeah, there's definitely there's some serious questions about if he's gonna be able to get to there. Um, but um, honestly, I, I have real hope. I mean, I, I don't expect him to play any back-to-backs at any point this year. I'd be no, disappointed if he I'd did. Agree. Mm-hmm. Um, I uh, I don't. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, right now it's it's kind of up in the air. But yeah, most most projections are around Christmas. Um, so I expect him to be like capped around twenty minutes for the first couple months. Um, maybe like post All Star break a little bit after that start ramping him up, get him around 30 minutes. Um, but I, I don't see him getting to the point where he um, – I mean, I think, honestly, in those playoffs, you probably still have a minute cap on him. So maybe he's not that that player where he's um, – obviously, he's not the player he used to be, but maybe if you get, like, 90% of him, I think he can go on a run. Mm-hmm. Um, they won't be that dominant team they were before. But like you said before, um, the West is is wide open. Yeah, it's it's there. And I guess that leads me to one of my final questions for you concerning this Warriors team. And that is when you look at them, how do you feel about them moving forward, both for this year immediately, bringing back these guys? Can Seth Curry have another strong year as he goes to age, you know, 34? How do you look at Clay Thompson's return? We already kind of talked about that, boy, he fits in. Draymond Green, offensive game left him like three years ago, but he's still kind of the key um, igniter of this offense and, and their lips pin on defense as well. So you have that returning core. You could throw on Jake Adala in there, although he's more like a tertiary piece at this point in his career. Then you bring mm-hmm. in these young guys, you know, and not only, you know, the young, young guys like Moody, um, um, Kaminga and Wiseman, but also guys on the younger side that are winning now, but like in their, not in their prime, I'd say, I'd say um, Andrew Wiggins is like getting there and the auto Porter squarely there. You have them, you have Jordan Poole, you have this eclectic mix of talent. Where, what is their outlook next year? And do you think they win another championship with this current core? Um, for this next year, I think they're, um, I think they're, uh, they're, they're one of the, uh, I think there's, there's kind of a top tier of, of especially during the regular season. I, uh, I think kind of the Suns, um, the Jazz, I mean, I think the Nuggets going to be good even without Murray. Just Jokic is such a good regular season player and such mm-hmm. a good player in general. Um, so I think they'll kind of be below that tier, kind of um, 
with those other teams kind of battling for that kind of that um, four through like seven seed or so. Um, yeah, I see them at like a seven or six seed. Um, I think if they're uh, if Moody and Kaminga can kind of get to that level where they are contributing and are giving you some minutes off the bench, um, maybe one of them is even starting around that time and uh, you're just getting some valuable minutes from them, even 20, 25 minutes a game. I think that's when they get to that contender contender stage um, because I think it's, they kind of have to channel that, um, that pre Durant team, like the, the 20, the 2015 championship team and kind of go for that depth, depth role, depth um, model and kind of yeah. really just um, overpower teams with their bench. And so they kind of have that, the offensive juggernaut kind of, uh, starting unit with Curry and Clay and kind of just overload teams and then a super athletic bench that switches everything with the young guys. Um, I could see them contending um, mostly because Curry is just such a special player. Um, he is, he's just, I don't see him taking that big of a step back this year. Mm-hmm. Um, he's getting older, but he doesn't seem to be slowing down that much. Um, his, his game's just going to age so gracefully. Um, he's just such an high IQ player, and then his shot is just um, – it's so unique and so special that uh, he's always going to have some value on the court, and I think he still is um, – he's still at that val- – he's still at the level where it's almost impossible to, to – Quantify? Put like a, yeah, get quantify that value. Mm-hmm. Kind of um, not quite the level of LeBron, but kind of the same thing where it's um, – it's really hard, but I think even as he continues to age, he's still going to be really good. But if he can still stay at that MVP level, like I see them contending. Um, but yeah, I mean, also that depends if um, if you continue contending with it. The healthy, if a uh, Nets are healthy, then um, I'm not sure if they can contend with them because that that team's scary. That's true. That's true. I'm I'm right there with you. I guess I'm gonna add a little bonus question in here for the Warriors. When you look back on this dynasty they've had. And how they've tried to continue this dynasty along over the last couple of years. Obviously, injuries have factored in immensely. Um, we've seen Seth Curry continue. I mean, I didn't think he had another season. I didn't think he had a season like that in him that he gave last year. I mean, that was as close like a 2016 season as we're probably ever going to get from him again. And it was just yeah. so dominant. And, 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 you know, with less talent around him than in years past, how are we going to look back on this team? I think I find myself thinking that question when you kind of see the end of teams that let's face it, our dynasties, you know, I look back on the end of the Miami heat, you know, that 2014 year. And you look back at 2015 when they were trying to like continue on after LeBron left and you knew, you know, this wasn't going to be the same. And unfortunately you saw what happened to, you know, um, Chris Bosh retiring early and Dwayne Wade's game kind of, you know, obviously um, declining. But when I look Mm -hmm. at the Warriors now, what are your thoughts as far as what they've done and where they're going? Yeah, honestly, I mean, I couldn't be happy with what they've done in the last, five, 10 years. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, especially just, just the way they've done it. I mean, Curry is just, he's such a special player. I mean, I've said it so many times, but um, it's just not even just on the court, off the court. He's, he's just the perfect uh, superstar to build around. Um, he's so personal and that the Bay area has just absolutely loves him. Yeah. And so I think um, this, the, the last, the, the last five, 10 years will be, looked on um, just I think in my opinion I think they're a dynasty um, I think if they get that one more title I think they will be kind of unquestionably kind of considered a dynasty but um, I think there's yeah like you said there's definitely kind of they're in that kind of gray area of if they're um, if they're the Miami Heat where they go on that run and that's all they have 
or if they're kind of the Spurs where they kind of have um, a championship window that's kind of Close. almost like a 10-year window. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I'm, my bet is that it's 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 kind of the latter. It's the ten year window. Um, I think because I think Curry is kind of in that that same mold of um, Tim Duncan, mm-hmm. where he is a special player, like I said, on the court and off the court, but kind of makes it so you can kind of um, you can coach a player so hard because you can coach him so hard type thing. Um, and I think um, if they don't kind of Within the next couple of years, honestly, I I I also see them getting someone. I mean, and I, and I, and that sounds kind of weird and vague, but mm-hmm. um, I think there's just so much variance in the league nowadays between injuries and um, trades and just uh, roster moves. Yeah, that I I within the next three years, I I wouldn't be surprised if they get it like a all NBA type player. And that's just, I mean, you never know who it could be nowadays. Um, there's always some rumors about um. Donovan Mitchell now coming out in jazz type thing, mm-hmm. slowly simmering. I mean, there's there's always gonna be there's a couple in the in New Orleans about uh, Zion, and obviously these are super pipe dreams. But I mean, I just I think what they've built, um, it's 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 I mean it's it's similar to to the I think the I think the Heat got unfortunate. I think if um, if Bosch never had the the lung injury, I think it was the the blood clots in the lungs, right? Yeah, yeah. something like that. Yeah, if he never had that, I think um, they kind of would have been a, a teetering off playoff team, and kind of would have been looked looked at a little differently. But between him and then Wade's knees just kind of gave out. Um, but the thing is, is they had they had the culture, so they were able to kind of take take a little bit of time to reset, and kind of now they're back contending again. So I think the Warriors are kind of in that similar mold where they've built a good culture. So I'm hoping that will kind of be able to translate into the future and um, and kind of extend even after Curry, um, whenever he kind of steps back, whenever that is, hopefully it's in like 10 years. <laughs> but um, whenever that is, I think that that culture will continue. I feel it. And I hope so as well. You know, you, you start that, you know, they have the Miami Heat culture. You know, Pat Riley came over in 95. Mm-hmm. Or 96, rather. And the Heat have had this same kind of common culture, regardless of when they win, when they lose. They've had some peaks, they have some valleys, but you still know what to expect from, from that Miami Heat, you know, organization. And so you're mm-hmm. right. The hope is that Golden State can kind of continue that and make something of their own there for sure. Uh, Dylan, thank you, man, for coming, just talking about Warriors. I really appreciate that. We got uh, a little thing we do for our first-time guests Uh yeah, I, I, I just started this a little bit after SBC. It's actually inspired from SBC because we had conversations. Uh, I walked around my phone with my screensaver, and my screensaver on my phone is my top five favorite players. And one guy got a glance at it, a conversation ensued. And after that, I said, this is this is, this is is really good. Um, and my, mm-hmm. my screensaver, you know, it's uh, you probably don't know, but it's Russell Westbrook, Michael Beasley, Terry Rozier, okay. Latrell Sprewell, and Monte Ellis. Ellis, Monte have mm-hmm. it all. Yes, sir. I love Monte. I love Monte. Me, they, that's my guy. And so, like, you know, these are my top five favorite players. Are they, like, the best? No. Mm-hmm. They're not LeBron. They're not AD. They're just guys I enjoy watching. Um, enjoy watching. Uh, in the case of Sprewell, I mean, I, when I started watching basketball, it's when he was kind of at the end. So, like, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, I re-watch, like, old footage and games. So, this is where I turn this all over to you and I ask you, Dylan, what are your top five favorite players? Or, as I like to call them, what are your hoop vibes folks your hoop vibe squad 
Uh, this honestly, this is a real tough question, but um, <laughs> I, uh, I, I mean, I, I, first off, I love the Monte Ellis uh, shout out. I, I am a little bit hesitant on Luchel Spivo. Um, uh, yeah, so we're I liked him, but I mean, he did. Yeah, he, 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 <laughs> so we're coach. It's tough. It's go. tough. Um, <laughs> it's you know, you kind of have to draw a line somewhere, but um, <laughs> you know, he played a tough. He played tough defense as well. So he, he did. He, and he, get some of that. he got the Knicks to the finals that one year in '99. He came over in 2004 and helped Kevin Garnett with the Timberwolves, the one playoff appearance the Wolves had before Jimmy Butler got into town. Like, you know, definitely had some issues. But um, mm-hmm. as far as talent, especially in transition, uh, the guy was a monster. Oh, yeah. No, and that, that was um, – he's one of those, those amazing kind of fun NBA players because he's so talented and so he's going to stay around. <laughs> For sure. Um, so, honestly, on that note, I'll kind of start off on uh, one of my favorite players when I was little. I'll go with uh, Portland Rasheed Wallace. Ooh, um, I like. I like. I wasn't. I wasn't as big of a Pistons fan, so I was hurt when he moved when he went there. But I still, um, still loved him so much. Um, and on the, the throwback players, also Scotty Pippen. Um, kind of was a Bulls fan when I was little, but um, gravitated towards Pippen more than Jordan for some reason. I, I don't know why, but I, I had, I had Pippen jerseys, not Jordan jerseys. Um, wow! Did you have Pippen Blazers such a jersey? Defenders. I. Don't know if I did. Um, I have I have three old I have two older brothers and a younger brother, so we have um, so many jerseys between all of us. Oh, it's gotcha! Just, uh, it's a mountain of jerseys piled up in some closet somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then so that's Sheed, Pippin, um, Steph, because I mean, how could you not um, put Steph on the sure. list? And then Clay as well. Clay, amazing warrior, and then also a huge dog fan, so you can't cannot love that. And then the last spot, I have to go Vlako Chancha. He is honestly one of the nicest people I've ever met. So um, he definitely makes the list. No, true, true, true. So it's so you got well, well, I said true, 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 thinking about Rashid, not John Chancha. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. I, I, He's a perfect I fit. Wait, what? Thing. I think I think you also did you see the Slovenia action? I mean, he looked good in Slovenia for the Slovenia team. Okay, so I mean, but that's it. That 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 blows him to your top five all time. No, no, and honestly, uh, so he was, uh, he's spent time with the Nuggets last year, and he is the nicest person I've met in the NBA. So um, he will always have a top five spot, in my opinion. There it is. I mean, hey, however, I don't judge. Well, that's not true. I do. <laughs> but, like, you come up with your vibe squad. I'm all the way for it. I'm with it. That That's cool, man. You got to run it back one more time for the listeners. I know we got Steph. I know we got Clay. I know we got, you said Pippen, right? Yeah, you said Pippen. Yeah, got um, Pippen. Portland mm-hmm. Rashid Wallace, because Pistons Rashid Wallace, and eh. and then Vlatko Chancho, and then earlier missions have to be Draymond. It's a tough one, and then Jokic and KD. I mean, just love them so much, but um, those are only good five spots. That's true. Yeah, I mean, listen, I had a guest come on. In fact, uh, shout out to Gary Bouguet. He comes on. I tell him, hey, come up with a vibe squad. You know, this dude came up like the All NBA team. First, second, and third team all vibe squad. Like, I was like, bro, what? We went through all 15 players, too. The madness, man. I should have expected it, too, but I didn't. And that's what made it more surprising. So, next time you come, feel free to come with another another five, man. It, it don't matter. Oh, yeah. And the next time, I'm going to have a different five. I'm going to have my, like, all five, like, uh, anti-vibe squad. Something like that. I don't hey, know hey I'm be. with it. That all might five, be something. Like, mm-hmm. Like 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 animal loving squats like that. I know I know Clay's got a dog. Um, I know Bus has got a dog, right? A couple other people yeah, got dogs. So that's true. I'm. You know what? That's interesting. I like that. <laughs> I like that. Okay, that's the problem. I might steal that away from my from my returning guest and make that a thing. Yeah, I got him with a curveball. 
There you go, man. Hey, Dylan, thank you again for coming on, bro. I really appreciate this. Uh, again, you grace with your knowledge on the Warriors, especially someone who's a fan but knows their stuff as well. Where can folks find you? Um, right now at um, on Twitter at Ted Steffian. Um, I love the then, name. Yeah, I, um, I, uh, I've had a Twitter for a little bit, but trying to be more active recently, so I thought I'd have to switch for a more um, NBA-appropriate name. Hey, and um, there you go. Also, feel free to hit me up on LinkedIn at, at Dylan Kenyon. Um, but um, yeah, look out for the NBA content on um, uh, at, at Ted Steffian. All right, at hopefully, Ted Steffian. Uh, huh? Hopefully, uh, bring back the name a little bit, uh, you know. Oh, yeah. I mean, listen, that name was best forgotten, but like, oh my, I'm kidding. No, it's cool. I like that, man, for it sure. Only, it can only go up from there, right? Uh, that You said it. I didn't say it. You said it. So there we go. <laughs> Definitely make sure to follow my man Dylan at Ted Stepping on Twitter. Check him out on LinkedIn as well. Um, like you said, Dylan and Killian. So definitely do that. You know where to find me. But if you don't, that's fine. I forgive you on Twitter at Corbin NBA Hoopball on Twitter at Hoopball Tweets online hoop-ball.com. We're going to keep the content coming. We got a tears uh, pod dropping over here real, real soon. Uh, we got some more off-season previews. We got some news. Uh, we got some stuff. We got some stuff. We're not done. Uh, even if I slow up a little bit, which I might do just because if I don't take a break now, not sure when I will when the season starts again. <laughs> but uh, that's even that's going to be very, very small. So definitely make sure to keep with it here. I appreciate and love every listener. I thank y'all. I hope you enjoy the rest of your week. I hope you guys have a great Thursday, the rest of it, whenever you listen to this. And for my man, Dylan, for myself, we are Frosty. Y'all stay frosty, and I'll talk to y'all real soon. All right. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.